Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Vera Shulgina of SigTech, a software platform for quantitative investors. Vera has only recently joined SigTech, having previously enjoyed a successful career on the operations side of hedge funds, including Two Sigma and Citadel. In our conversation, Vera and I talk about the recent trend for buy-siders moving across into product companies, SigTech's offering, and some of the challenges Vera faces in creating a new US office. Prior to SigTech, spent 10 plus years in New York and on the buy side, um, originally at a small equities prop trading firm, uh, then moved over to Citadel Global Equities, one of their discretionary crown jewels in a hybrid operational data role, and then spent time at Two Sigma uh, working on data strategy across all of the different businesses there, both the, the hedge funds, the private equity business. Uh, got to spend a little bit of time with the guys at Venn and uh, at the market maker as well before joining SigTech and uh, now helping build out their U.S. operation. Fantastic. Would you say that data has been the connecting connecting thread in your in your career up to now, or would there be another thing you could point at? I think it's the combination of data and, and operations, and I think uh, it's it's something. It's kind of an interesting piece to get into data plus context, whether that's operational context or business context, um, is is important. And I think paired together can be powerful. So how did you so how did you um, end up making that making the jump? Because as you say, you were you were in the buy side um, and you stepped into SigTech, which is more of a service provider. Um, how did how did that come about? Yeah, a um, couple of moving parts, but I think it's an interesting time to be on the product side or, you know, on, on the dark side, as some folks will call it. There's a lot of folks moving from uh, buy side to build data products, to build services. I think you've had a couple of such examples on, on your podcast. Um, with, I think with cloud and compute becoming so much more accessible, um, there's a lot of fun saying we're moving our tools, we're moving our infrastructure to the cloud, we're moving capabilities that we think are more commoditized to be serviced by third parties. So it's created this really cool opportunity for um, for for product focused folks to um, to launch businesses and get to product market fit and, and to scale. Um, so I think that that's the kind of macro context that made the SigTech opportunity exciting. Um, but a couple of the other pieces that um, that made me want to make the jump were um, the team. The team is uh, is is really experienced, having come from Revan Howard and built SigTech as the internal systematic platform. There, um, you know, they 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 have a wealth of institutional um, investing knowledge that they're bringing with them um, to build this business. And the the product, the product had really good pull from the market with with hedge funds, asset owners, you know, sell side desks um, of different sizes and across regions uh, signing on as clients. So it seemed like a, a good time to make the jump. We'll come to SigTech for sure, but I'm keen to just dwell a, a little bit on, on that. Um, the fact that you see people moving from the buy side into the product side, is there, 
So you feel like it was a, there's something you think the cloud technology is, is creating a huge opportunity, which wasn't there before on the, on the product side, or do you feel, I mean, what do you, do you feel that there's a, there's a shift of center of gravity underway in terms of, you know, the money is to be made, not by the gold miners or the, but the people selling shovels, there's something, there's something underway there. Ooh, it's interesting. It's yeah. I'm trying to, I'm going to try to come up with an analogy on the fly here. I think the, I think there's um, there's still a, a huge pile of money to be made by being on the buy side in house, sitting right on top of the trading PNL. I think there's also a really unique opportunity to um, to monetize capabilities that the gold miners don't want to handle, right? Like the gold miners don't want to. Um, sift maybe sift through the mud or figure out what's the right sifting technology that they should be using um maybe they don't even want to find the location where to dig for gold they're just really great at once they have you know once they have the nuggets turning those nuggets into something um into auctioning them and optimizing price um i don't know if that maybe if that fits into the analogy we're going with here but um, I think there's a lot of opportunity on both sides of the fence. Um, from a data perspective, purely, I think there's things you can do on the product side that you can't do in-house at a fund and vice versa, um, right? Funds are regulated entities. Um, there's there's a lot of kind of regula- really tight regulatory and compliance bits that that you need to maintain as a hedge fund, um, not to say that you don't need to maintain those on the product side, but you have, um, you know, like this concept of exclusivity. Um, it's tougher for a hedge fund to have exclusive access to a product, but for a data owner to say, I have an exclusive go-to-market partner for this vertical, um, is actually super common. Um, so I think there, yeah, there's just different opportunities to, to, to grab onto Mm. both sides of the fence. I've been I've been grappling a little bit. I feel um, I feel so changes underway. Obviously, we're living in data times right now, and it's and uh, there's been a shift. I mean, I would say that as the alternative data podcast host, but but I mean, I'm not the only one saying it. That that you know, all the all the data is the new oil stuff, um, and potentially, um, I I I just feel like the center of the new data economy is likely to be perhaps some kind of institution or, or place where the data is all flowing through. And and you could say that in the previous time, then the center was 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 the banks because that's where all the all the all the money was flowing through, and so they were the center of information. Um, but so if it is if the, the 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 power and the and the value and the you know if 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 all of that is potentially going to be in uh with the with the place where which has the most data coming across its coming across its hands then potentially that does point towards a middleman perhaps more than uh an end user an end client because a, a fund can't buy is is limited in the amount of data it can get access to just by budget you know it can't get all the data sets the way the market is set up now whereas I, I had McKinsey on my podcast earlier, and I see them much more being as as being a potential place where, um, you know, they could they have the potential ability to see all the data out there because they're going to be servicing their clients, and so you know they could it could all come through their hands. Do you do you think there's something there? I think so. I think um, maybe it's almost like the two. Um, I, I completely agree with you. Data owners are 
king in the ecosystem, right? Sitting on a unique asset that nobody else has, I think gives you um, a, a huge competitive mode. But I think there's a gap between data owners, which can be kind of vertical agnostic, right? You can sell a data set into marketing, advertising, into industry, into financial services. Um, and it's, I think, tough as a data owner to wrap your hands around all of those use cases and to meet your clients downstream at the point where they're actually extracting value from your data. Um, and then you have, you know, the end users themselves who are super in financial services, right? You're super specialized into how to convert data into trading PL. And I think there's a huge, so there becomes this huge gap between raw data and industry specific applications or industry specific insights. Um, and you have, you know, you have providers like you have cloud providers or you know, data onboarding um, or ETL providers like AWS or Snowflake or Databricks, who I think start to solve for that gap, but you have um, opportunities for these kind of industry specific tools um, to, to bridge that gap as well, which is one of the places SigTech comes in for, um, for systematic investing in, in financial services. Okay, let's do SigTech. So, um, so what is SigTech? SigTech is basically cloud-hosted, Python-based, front office quant research infrastructure. And, and what that means is, you know, in-house um, at a fund, you take in a lot of data, uh, you need to normalize that data and make sure it's mapped to things you trade, and then actually have the infrastructure to test different hypotheses uh, across, you know, across different points of history um, to then deploy uh, strategies in production and generate PNL. So there's a there's a lot of data wrangling. There's a lot of, of tooling, um, very repeatable processes that folks uh, up until I think the big cloud migration maintained in-house and on-prem. Uh, I think what we're doing is essentially um, opening up backtesting um, that end-to-end front office research quant research process um, as 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 a software and as a utility. So let's let's walk it through potentially from the customer's perspective. So first of all, who is who is do you have a do you have a um, you know a, a, a natural customer in mind when you think of your kind of epicenter? What what do they look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, quant PMs, quant traders who don't want to think about um, wrangling data or wrangling their data model for backtesting, but actually just want to be able to focus on generating strategy ideas or trading ideas and then deploying them into production. We make it really easy for them to jump through all of the all of the hurdles between I have a strategy idea to then actually generating orders and trading it. So as a quant PM who knows that they should probably be using data in their day-to-day, um, but don't currently necessarily have the have the full infrastructure to be able to use data. Um, they can come to you, and, and you will um, support them in their in their in their in 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 essentially doing their day job um, and not having to worry too much about the data. That's right. Yeah, and and we do it as a as a software tool, right? So when you're backtesting across um, an equities trading strategy, for example, to do it accurately and to make sure you haven't just um, 
you, you haven't just put something into production that looked nice in a back test, but actually loses you a lot of money. Um, you have to make sure you have a high fidelity back test and that you've accounted for um, corporate actions and trading calendars and reference data and all these real world, um, you know, real world data points that are generated in trading every day. And that those are part of your back test. Um, so that's, that's the core value prop of SigTech is we've done that hard work across asset classes um, of generating, being able to, to, to generate an accurate back test using our platform. And what about you makes you quant focused rather than fundamental focused? It's, I think it's the user interface, right? So um, there's a level of Python fluency required for users of ZigTech. Um, the design decisions we've made in the platform um, are that it's open architecture. So users can take our code as is. They can actually go down to the source code level and override design decisions we've made for a particular asset class or how we've calculated you know, futures role, for example. Um, and it's exposed via Jupyter Notebook or more recently a VS Code IDE. Um, I think there's uh, other platforms that have a really, really cool front end experience that allows a more discretionary um, or less technical PM to interact with um, with the tool. But we, you know, we we require a level of of coding proficiency. Mm. Um, and so. So, so my, I mischaracterized slightly the perfect customer because I was kind of making them sound a little bit like someone who wasn't, um, embracing data in their day to day. It sounds like your perfect customer has a certain level of comfort with data and with, with coding, et cetera. Um, but they are going to use you to, because you've got uh, high powered tools essentially that they can that they can kind of take off the shelf rather than having to to develop all the processes and all the technology in house. That's right. Yeah, they're 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 data native. They just want more, and they want to be able to do things more quickly as well. And so, what you can what you can do for them. So there's the there's the back testing that you've mentioned. They've 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 got a strategy, and your and SigTech can make sure that it that it works. Your that it um can 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 check it essentially test it yeah exactly so i think um one distinction to make is that we don't necessarily take a view on our client's strategy um you know whether or not it's um it's the right one for them but we are more so giving them the tools to um to perform the most accurate analysis of how their strategy would have performed in time right so um a client saying i'm going to um go long the S&P 500, go short FTSE, um, you know, we, we don't want to take a view on whether or not that's, that's a good investment hypothesis, but we do want to give them a really accurate view of how that hypothesis would have performed in time with our backtesting tools. Um, and if it performs well and they want to deploy that strategy into production, um, they can do that via our platform as well. Um, and so who do you, you who do you see? Um, so we've painted a picture of a of a quant who is a data native, as you say, and perhaps doesn't have the tooling um, at this point to um, to, and so they can they can um, just go and pull it off the shelf and like like six seconds, as you say, play with it in terms of you know mess around with the um, any changes in the code that they'd like to make. Um, 
is there a use for anyone who already is running a strategy and do do think that they can do their job um, in terms of uh, can you help people who are already up and running? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's um, it's it's always a benchmarking exercise, and our biggest competition is often an internal build. Um, you know, a lot of folks have their own systematic infrastructure or tools, and in some cases, SigTech is is augmenting or even significantly improving what they have. And in other cases, it's uh, it's you know benchmarks evenly, and there's no reason to switch. It's almost like a um, if you've cooked you know a seven course meal in your own kitchen, you probably don't want the delivery option. But if you just have a salad and a cheese board, you're probably more likely to. Um, to get a pizza or an entree delivered. Um, I think a really common use case where someone already has a strategy running, but still want to use SigCheck is, um, is adding additional asset classes. So perhaps someone's been um, systematically trading equities for some time. They want to, you know, they, they want to increase the, the capacity of their fund and launch new asset classes. Um, we have cross asset coverage um, with, you know, especially with our macro DNA coming out of Brevin Howard and clients will say, oh, well, that's great. You've already, um, you already have a futures data model and a futures backtesting model, treasuries, gubbies, you know, derivatives and, and volatility-based instruments. Um, I don't really want to build this myself when a turnkey solution like this is in the market. The, so the cross assets is interesting. It's, it's, do you find that there's a lot of um, futures trading going on with using alternative data as the basis for it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because I think um, in the alternative data context, there's a lot less penetration of alternative data in macro than there is in equities. Um, I think a lot of the equities use cases are really logical, um, right? Credit card spend to earnings or, mm. you know, geolocation to earnings. Um, whereas... In macro, um, I think there's trickiness around what instruments to map alternative data to, right? Do you map satellite to data to futures? Do you map it to treasuries, govies? Probably not going to map it to volatility-based instruments, um, but but I think it's a, it's a lot more challenging um, and not a ton of folks have, um, I think, cracked that nut. But SigTech tries? Or it gives the big, it gives the user the capability of trying. It gives them the tools in which to to crack it. Yeah, well, so there's there's I think there's different there's different there's a lot of different ways to construct a strategy, right? You can do the you can do kind of a more technical um, or almost like statistical strategy where you're looking at things like reversion to the mean or you know or trading momentum um, or you know like. Um, spreads and or, or like um, exchange arbitrage, um, you can use more techniques-based approaches like, um, you know, like machine learning or, um, or you know, or NLP. Um, and then you can use kind of an econometric approach where, and I think this is the best suited for alternative data, where you say, I have this real world effect. This is how I think that real world effect gets absorbed into the markets. Um, and so I think for, for macro instruments like futures, FX, um, volatility is a great example. And they're, they're not, um, they're tricky to incorporate alternative data into because they are so, um, I think a lot of the strategies constructed there are either um, kind of statistical or technical um, or perhaps techniques based. 
Um, there's certainly you know, real world effects on a macro level that you might say, um, I think geopolitical risk is a good example, right? There's you sort of look at geopolitical risk across countries and you can probably map that to macro instruments or index futures or whatnot. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a lot, I think it's a lot trickier than, than what folks do in equities. It's a very interesting, I mean, so one, the place geopolitical is a very nice unifier because obviously there are geopolitical data providers, um, data miner, um, geoquant, there are, there are various names which are providing data on how dangerous a country might be. And that obviously um, maps much more neatly onto, you know, you could try and tie that to FX or you could try and tie that to uh, GDP growth or, or something like that at the, at, the, at the national level or the international level. Um, so in, in a way, there are two, that, that to me feels like a piece of data which would serve that ecosystem and would serve that kind of forecast. And then on the other side, you've got data, as you say, like credit card transactions or geolocation data for where people are shopping or that kind of thing. Um, and that much more neatly ties itself to a, um, a stock level um, uh, investment decision. Um, do you see two universes or, or do you see much potential for crossover? Do you think we end up with a cross crossover where you can use the geopolitical stuff to talk about what Apple's going to do and you can use the credit card stuff to talk about what France is going to do? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think there's a lot of um, cross-pollination that can happen um, in using the same data set across asset classes. My other kind of hypothesis on why there's less penetration of alternative data in the macro um, asset classes is the downstream in the investment process, when you actually go to trade something, most of those trade over the counter, right? There's no centralized execution menus or exchanges like there are in equities. Um, so I think a lot of the, like a lot of the um, hard work in trading credit or futures effects um, is is that um, you know it's 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 more difficult operationally downstream. Um, so you know you're f- more focused on like fundamental kind of trading. Um, solving fundamental trading problems than you are, you know, maybe saying what, what kind of alternative data kind of exploratory research can I do to generate more alpha? What kind of, um, have you seen much, um, macro fund interest in, in, um, in SigTech? Is there, is there, is there much interest from the, from the, um, you know, from that, that side in terms of demand? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, so I think it's actually, it's interesting because fewer people, most systematic funds um, have trade equities and they've traded equities for a while. So I think in terms of a product like ours and going to market, there's less kind of white space there um, or folks who don't have um, what we have today. Although, you know, we certainly support equities clients um, across segments. Um, We've had, uh, we've had strong pull from commodities trading firms. Um, We've had strong pull from, macro trading firms, um, from asset owners as well, right? So pensions, endowments, um, sovereign wealth funds who who want to kind of take a bit more control of their investment processes or potentially bring those in-house. Um, and we've had actually a bit of traction with data owners as well who are saying, we want to, we want to use an institutional grade backtesting engine and you know, better understand the quant use cases for our product 
Um, so we've had nice, I think we've, we've had nice pull across um, client types across regions, um, but we're certainly, you know, I think having the kind of the Brebenhauer DNA, um, we are strong in macro uh, as, as kind of as a default. Mm. Hmm. Um, and so to, looking more at the data side and the kind of the inputs and, and what, what goes in, is that introduced by the by a client? Do they bring their own data or how does how does the data, what does the data look like? Where does it come from? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, so there's a there's a lot of different ways clients can get data on the platform. The first one is um, is as part of the annual SaaS license. Um, we enable clients for different market data bundles. So for example, there's an equities market data bundle, a macro market data bundle, and this includes everything that you'd need to backtest across any given asset class, the, what we'd mentioned before around trading calendars, reference data, pricing data. And that comes from, um, from some of our longstanding partners like Refinitiv, ICE, IHS Market. Um, clients though can actually choose to override um, some of the design decisions we've made, and they might say, I actually prefer Bloomberg over Refinitiv for this asset class. And they can bring their, they, they can actually bring their own data sets into their instance of SigTech and override that. Um, in the alternative data context, um, it's, it's, it's similar. We have, uh, we don't have necessarily the market data bundle um, framework there. But clients um, sometimes will ask us to onboard alternative data sets for kind of platform-wide usage, but more often clients um, choose to bring their own alternative data sets into their own SigTech instance. Maybe it's something that they um, believe may have, may, may be susceptible to alpha decay, or it's a proprietary data set. Um, they, can, they can bring that for their firm to use in their instance. Um, more recently, we actually launched the data showroom product, which um, which actually is is more so um, for data owners who want to who want to make it really easy for quants to trial their data sets. And so, what we're doing there um, is is enabling data owners to use our backtesting tools um, as as essentially as a sales environment. Um, so, lots of different modes of working. Um, mm. It's kind of uh, sticks to our open architecture philosophy. I saw a um, I saw data um, Revelio, Revelio Labs being announced as a as the as the I think the first announced data showroom um, uh, company, and and they are a friend friend of the podcast, having been on um, in, a, in a a long time ago, actually, probably episode twelve or thirteen or something. So um, so yeah, it all comes together, doesn't it? Small world. <laughs> it is. It is a small ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and would you say there's a type of data which is more suited? Alternative data, I'm I'm talking about. Is there a, are there types of data which are more suited to um, the SigTech platform and and less suited? Do you have a you have a you have a an ideal client in mind on the on the demand side? Do you have a kind of natural fit with certain types of data and not with others? Yeah, well, I think I I think this is actually a great question because it's less, I think it's the, the constraints are less so, um, asset classes perhaps, or even asset, uh, like data genres, right? Like a credit card versus geolocation versus something else. Um, I would say that the two main constraints are one, um, our platform can't handle intraday data beyond one minute bars. So I think that like no super high frequency, um, kind of tick level 
things, um, we, we can't handle those. But there's also a question of, I think, data vendor go-to-market readiness for quants, right? Um, quants care a lot about things like, is the data point in time? Is the data mapped? Um, do you capture and, and kind of publish your revision history? Um, and there's, a, there, I think, a lot of newer entrants to the market who um, want to sell into financial services, but maybe weren't aware that data needs to be delivered and structured in a certain way. Um, so I, I think if we size the alternative data owner market, right, there's, there's gotta be a thousands, um, thousands of providers out there who could sell into financial services vertical, whose data is economically relevant. But, um, I think perhaps haven't solved for some of the more fundamental, um, questions around, um, data structuring, data mapping and data delivery, and so that's actually, I think that's that's a that's a piece that is almost a prerequisite for someone then being able to move through to saying, okay, my data is quant ready. Now let's actually build use cases and back test it and make it really easy for this and these quant end consumers to 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 buy my data. Mm-hmm. Um, Vera, you are, as we've mentioned, you spent a long period in the on the buy side and you moved to to SigTech in in April. Um, April this year. Is it everything you expected it to be? And did you feel like you had a very good handle on the market on and what what this world looked like when you're on the buy side? And now you've moved to the product side and you find things are very different from a different pr- perspective. I mean, have you what have you what have you learned in your in in this uh, following this change? <laughs> well, Mark, I, I used to think um, when I was on the buy side, I used to think people actually like talking on talking with me on the phone. Um, but <laughs> now that I'm on the product side, I realized maybe um, I'm actually, you know, uh, I'm actually not as well liked as I thought. I think it's a very different it's a very different hat to wear um when you know when you're a, a consumer of data than when you are a provider or of data or services it's been um it, it's it's been a ton of fun i i the product side is everything i thought it would be and more um it's it's exciting to i i mean you know working on the buy side not in a trading or portfolio manager role you of course have you know kind of your internal clients or internal stakeholders that you're working with. Um, but it's, I think the, the kind of the ways of creating value, um, uh, kind of more scalable when you're on the product side where you get to solve for challenges across a lot of different organizations or clients, um, rather than kind of for, for, for one organization of, or, or client. So different orders of magnitude, different orders of scale. Um, um, and, um, it's it, everyone, you know, yourself included and everyone on the product side has been super welcoming, really full of great advice. Um, hiring is high. I think this year, like what's top of mind for, for everyone, um, is hiring the, the, the labor market is, is just like, it's unprecedented. Um, everyone, uh, you know, recruiters, everyone keeps saying, we haven't seen something like this in, in 20 years. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a challenge. It's it's a challenge, but it's been loads of fun. 
one thing one thing you hear from from by siders who make the who make the step is that um life is much less stressful um but it's it's often portfolio managers who say that because obviously they're they're faced with um you know oh my god what if my stocks go down um but uh but is does that does that ring true for you as well is it a is it a is it a calmer more pleasant atmosphere i think uh you know i think it's um i think it's kind of what you 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 make of it i think there's a lot of buy side folks who who like have the you know the itch to be doing something uh you know to like be in motion um and they take that with them to the product side um you have to move just as quickly on the product side especially if you're building something in the data space um to be able to you know capture market share to be able to meet client demand to be able to continue to grow scale raise your next round of funding um, so I think for, for me personally, um, I feel like I still have my foot on the gas pedal and just driving a different car. This is interesting. I mean, as a COO and you're, and you're there to, to create the U S office as I, as I understand it or kind of help launch it. So you will be integral in creating a culture out there and, and making the decisions now, which, which potentially have a long way to play. Are you, are you guiding is one of your guiding thoughts that, um, we should be trying to recreate what you know in terms of we are going to be serving the the hedge fund industry so we should look and feel like a hedge fund on the inside or 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 will you be trying to follow a different different ethos do you think yeah it's a great question uh it's a it's a it's a really good question how i've thought about it in the past is and what i super admire about buy side people is everyone really knows their stuff you know like 98% of people are super capable um, really knowledgeable and move really quickly and, and are decisive. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that's, that's a characteristic that's, um, that's great to have in, in any business, definitely at a startup. Um, I think the, the piece that, you know, FinTech or data almost borrows from tech a bit more from the tech industry um, is, is I think, um, you know, and two, two Sigma is amazing at doing this. It's, it's very intellectually curious. Um, you know, everyone is very intellectually honest. Um, it's very like scientifically rigorous, how you make decisions, um, and you know, how, um, how you set strategy. And so if, you know, if it was possible to create a, a, a like a unicorn of a culture where you have, um, you have super capable, decisive, badass people who are also who are also intellectually honest, intellectually curious, and just nice can be like nice to work with. Um, that balance would be great to strike. I think it's maybe a bit of a pipe dream because as you get bigger, these things take on a life of its own. But that's very much what we're trying to do out of SigTech New York at the moment. Mm. Um, you hinted at hiring. Um, what and and the difficulties? What's the hardest thing to hire right now? Oh, dev, devs, uh, devs, engineers, and quants. I think the market is. Um, it, I think back to your point you made about, um, you know, the age of data and AI. Those skill sets just continue to be super in demand across industries. Um, you have, I think, a lot of cross pollination. Actually, Ben and the Revelio team published this great Business Insider piece, I want to say it was last year, um, looking at um, how there's been a lot more cross-pollination between technical talent moving from tech to finance and vice versa. 
So I think that the competition is is only getting stiffer with industries that perhaps are um, maybe laggards to finance and tech and incorporating data and AI strategies, but now are wanting the same talent. Um, so yeah, that 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 say is the the number one. Thank you, thank you so much for um for joining today and for for having the conversation and for introducing yourself and 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 SigTech and um, and best of luck with it. It's a pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much. Until next time. Indeed.